Hello, and welcome to our Connected Philanthropy podcast. Today, we are so very privileged to have Jonna Rogers, GPC, Principal Consultant and owner of Jonna Rogers Consulting as our guest. With more than $200 million in grant awards, Jonna has helped organizations of all types and sizes address their most critical needs at the federal, state, corporate, and grassroots levels. In 2015, she opened Jonna Rogers Consulting, LLC, which is a full-service consulting agency. And she, Jonna is board president for the Grant Professionals Association, GPA, a member of the National Grant Management Association, and a GPA-approved trainer. Wow, I had to take a little breath there. <laughs> she is also a former board member and exam administrator for the Grant Professional Certification Institute, GPCI. And she is especially proud to hold her GPC since 2008. Oh, it's easy to say that. Jonna Rogers has been there and done that. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Jonna. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I was thinking about this conversation for a while, and I'm there's so many places we could start and so many places we could go to, but I was thinking, let's start today with a question on surprises. During this vast career and various experience that you have working in nonprofits as a grant professional, what has surprised you the most? You know, and, and, you know, you and I have chatted over the years and I am so proud to call you uh, a friend and a colleague and somebody I look up to and just have a great time with and learn from. Um, and I think that's where my biggest surprise comes is, is, is the amount of learning I'm still doing after all this time that at some point you think, you know, when you were a kid and you thought, you know, I just want to be really, really good at something one day. I just, you know, you'd watch the Olympics and you'd say, I want to be the best, the best one of those out there. I just want to be that. Well, okay, so now I do paperwork for a living. So there's that. And then, and then I don't even, I don't even know every time that I sit down how to do that paperwork. Because if I'm doing it for um, a federal grant, that's one thing. If I'm doing it for a faith-based grant, it's a whole other thing. If I'm doing it for the United Way, well, there's that whole other thing. Uh, and then the earmarks came back this last year and it was like, say what? So the, the more I do this, the more I know that I don't know. And so I just put myself in the role every day of learner, I, I trust that I, I probably know more than beginners know, but that I'm never going to know it all. And um, the word expert is not even in my vocabulary, at least pertaining to myself. Uh, and I guess the other thing that really surprises me is that after having spent so many years avoiding becoming a consultant and, and telling myself, you know, you, you need that steady paycheck, you have to you know, you don't have it in you to, to be the, the go-getter and to, to go out there and find the work and to be successful in that entrepreneurial area. Um, I guess the, the biggest surprise to me there is that it was as simple as it was. Um, I, I did not have to um, beat the bushes. I had a, you know, after so many years in the field as an employee and working with communities and nonprofits and governments and schools, that I, I did have a bit of a reputation that was more positive than not. 
I'm always going to be wacky, Jonna, but you know, at least they knew I could do the work. Right. And so I, I think that um, I, I still remain amazed six and a half years into consulting that it wasn't more difficult than it was and that I didn't have to have all the things I, and, and, you know, I, I talk about this often is that I still don't have a website. I, uh, you know, that was be one of the things that everybody would say, you need a business card and a contract form and you need clients and you need a website and you need, you need, you need. And I didn't, I just started working for people and that has, I'm still just working for people. I, I have enough sense now to kind of plan ahead six or nine months. So I kind of know where the work is coming from in my pipeline. But really, um, I have this base of clients that uh, that continue to need good work done and that I love doing good work for. Um, so that has been a real that's a that's a surprise for me is that that it has not been the teeth pulling experience I thought it would be. And that um, that you can make a good living working with good people to get good things done. I I uh, I know many people struggle with that that thought and that choice. And is it going to be better? Because there's pros and cons of both. And that insight is probably helps a lot of people uh, considering that. Oh, and now you're currently the board president for Grant Professionals Association, and I know you've been working with them for a long time, as well as their uh, sister affiliate, the. Grant Professional Certification Institute that that I have been involved with for a while here. And you were also a mentor, an entertaining speaker, very much so, and thought leader as well. I, I avoided using the word expert here, but, <laughs> but you are so many things in the grant and fundraising community. What are some popular misconceptions you would like to dispel? And, and wow. And there are, are so many, um, so many out there that, that people look at us in nonprofit work and they, they have these different conceptions. You know, I, I get phone calls from time to time, especially uh, from a local community where, where someone will say, Hey, my board of directors just asked me to start writing grants and I, I'm the only employee here and, and they want me to write grants. And, and I just, I don't, I, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> And I, and I give them some tips about, well, first off, um, they don't know what they're asking. They, they just don't know what they're asking. They, they simply want more money and everybody says, well, there should be a grant for that. So, <laughs> so they want this, this, this poor individual who's already working 50 hours a week, uh, just running the organization to step up and add another 50 hours to write grants. And it's just a challenge. And so, you know, counseling folks through that and counseling in an informal sense, not the mental health sense, just talking with folks. That's all I do. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it's like these myths that are around grants just persist. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's one of my goals in life to help people understand that we are not just sitting at our desk writing. We are not just, um, just making this stuff up. We're not. We are working with people to plan good work because that's that's what grants do. They're they're good program designs that we put out there to a funder to say, hey, have we got a great idea for you? And wouldn't you love to be a partner with us on this? It's no different than 
anybody else who's who's trying to operate a business who goes to the bank and makes a proposal to someone to say, hey, have we got a deal for you? Well, we do that on a daily basis. We just do it through nonprofits and city governments. And uh, we, we do it uh, to make sure that kids eat and that flowers get planted in parks and that the whale gets saved. You know, we do it for these these unusual reasons. And so sometimes people don't think of us in the realm of um, of being professionals first, but also of of leading that whole process. They rather they think, oh, you just sit at your desk and you write. Um, I had a, a, a colleague once who said said, oh, but but Johnna, you're in the pre-writing phase. You're, you're doing all the thinking and planning right now. And I was like, that's it. That's it. They just, nobody seems to understand that, you know, if it takes you 150 hours to write a large proposal and there's my first piece of news, it takes 150 hours to write a large proposal um, that the majority of that is not actually writing. It's the budgeting and the planning and the letters of support and then the editing and then the re-editing and then the the hand-holding. Um, there's just so many things out there. Um, and, and for example, I had a had a, a, a colleague in a nearby city call me or she emailed me the other day and she was, and she's a grant professional, and she was upset because she had won a, a very large grant for her school district. And it was a collaboration between the school district and the city and county. So everybody was all excited and they were having their own little party about it. You know, there's going to be a lot of great stuff that happens in the community because of that. And she was feeling left out. She was really feeling that, that no one was, was celebrating her personally. And, you know, I had to, I had to kind of take a step back and say, okay, so, Here's the deal. Um, when you win a grant, you all win the grant. It's everybody and everybody celebrates. When you don't win the grant, you all mourn the grant. It has to be all. It can't be Jonna's grant. It can never be Jonna's. It has to be the communities, the nonprofits, the organizations. Um, and therefore, when the celebration comes, if you've, if you've done your job correctly, they all feel bought in and they can celebrate that. Um, that's a good thing. And so, you know, bringing her down a little bit and saying, okay, you should celebrate. And this is what I do. I've been doing this for, for a long time. And, and I learned a long time ago that I celebrate when I submit. I celebrate when I take all those random ideas that are out there and I put them all together in this beautiful puzzle that I know is going to do good in the community, that I've had great conversations, sometimes painful conversations. We've cut budgets, we've expanded, but we've done all the things we've had to do and we submit it. That is when I celebrate because that I celebrate the good work that we all did. It, if it gets funded, that's just gravy. That's just the cherry on top because um, I, I can't control that. There are so many things, so many factors that go into whether you get an award. And most of us who've been around long, long enough have received awards where we went, really? That grant won? What? <laughs> and it's like you, you get the one that you're like, that really shouldn't have. I'm just amazed. And then and then the one that we were sure was a was a winner. No, nah, it doesn't. So 
it helps me to know that my goal and, and 20 years ago, I had a had a, um, a colleague who said this and it really stuck with me is that as long as I'm submitting a fundable project that will do good in the community and that was the best work I could do in the limited amount of time, that's my job. That's all I have to do. Um, now, I'm, a, I'm a also a woman of faith, so I do say a prayer. Um, and then I celebrate. <laughs> I go get, uh, I buy a pair of shoes or a milkshake. It depends on, on the mood of the day. Um, but I, I continually focus on the fact that it's not Jonna's grant. It's, it's our grant. And the only way I can get those smart people around me to play, to talk to me, to bring me data, to do all those things we talk about that sometimes are hard to get, is that I have to have that that group mentality going all the time. And that's kind of tough for me because I'm not a people person. Um, I, people tell me I am. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Um, but I understand that it's an important part of my job to bring everybody to the table and ensure that their voices are heard. Uh, we may not use every thought they have, but but you're at the table and you're able to, to voice that. Uh, and then it's my job to, to kind of make it, make it all come together into a package. Um, but if I don't have the, those other voices, it's not going to be very good. I can, I can do it without them, but I'll get a, you know, if we're talking about grades, I would get a B or a C. But if I, if I have all the right voices at the table, we're going to have an amazing product. And again, that's all we can control at the end of the day. Um, and another thing, another misconception that, that I think has really hit us during, during COVID is that it has been so darn crazy that could it possibly be as crazy as we think it's been? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it was just darn crazy. Um, some of us got slammed. Some of us, you know, I, the uh, spring of 2020, I did not win a, an, a single grant award. And uh, I had funders who emailed and called and said, hey, we're sorry. We just wanted to let you know we've redirected our funding, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, part of me is like, OK, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to stand up here and be a big girl and say, OK, I totally understand you're going to feed people. And we had to feed people in the spring of 2020. Um, but what was surprising there is that uh, on a lot of those, they came back around later, six months later and said, OK. We've gotten through that the first part of the crisis um, and we're sending your clients some funding. Um, so if we hadn't applied in the middle of the craziness, we wouldn't have gotten that. Um, and just to just to do my best to ride the wave of whatever's coming. You know, that has been, um, uh, you know, that's been really crazy. You know, I, I got a good friend who says who works who uh, works in a, a food industry feeding people and uh, for with a nonprofit. And he says, you know, I can't even call it grant writing. We called it grant catching. There was so much funding headed to food. And, uh, and that was a bump in the road for the rest of us for a while. And we just kind of had to, had to swallow a little bit and go, okay, that that's appropriate. And we need to take that step back. So, um, so some of those misconceptions that we have out there are that, you know, on a Tuesday, you can write a grant for anything. And, you know, that hasn't been true in the last two years. It, it really, there has been a wave we've been riding and it's coming back around to what used to be normal. We'll see what the new normal is, uh, but we're not there yet. 
And, uh, you know, especially our friends in the arts, um, that they have probably struggled the most. And uh, we just have to have to see where we all come out on the other side. We're still uh, COVID's not over and nonprofits are the last to recover when these things happen. They are always they're the first hit and the last to recover. And, and we we have historical data of that, you know, it, for, for the last century. So, um, yeah, we just got to just got to hang in there and keep keep moving forward one day at a time. Yeah. And I, in doing that and, and learning, if I was new into the role of a grant professional, learning that perspective from you would be so helpful to prevent me from some dramatic ups and downs <laughs> and misreading things. <laughs> so yep. have, ha, have you seen or can you give some examples of how leaders in our nonprofit communities have needed and found support from their peers, or also you've found support from your peers as well. Um, well and, you know, it, it's interesting that we have, this is not the first recession we've ever had. This is the first pandemic in most of our lives that we've ever experienced. Um, so a lot of this was literally building the plane while we flew it, as they say. So um, one of the things that I was most pleased about over the last two years has been the internal conversations that have been going on um, with leader-to-leader uh, -leader support. Also, um, I've been I've had uh, several clients who reached out to me not not for grant support, but for general overall support of where is this going and what are we going to see next and what do we need to do to position ourselves to get ready for whatever's coming. Um, that's been a really interesting thing with my nonprofit clients is that they realize that they're that that they can't predict the future, but there are things they can do to be um, diversified and more prepared for whatever's coming down the pike. So that's that's been a really interesting um, thing for for me. Well, I am I am the queen of uh, phone a friend. Um, we we all think in grants that we are the only person in the world who has this problem. I think that you know the the small nonprofit with the single executive director who has a board they're trying to keep happy. I know they think number one that their board doesn't understand, and by the way, they're correct in that. <laughs> and number two, that nobody else understands how hard that is. Uh, some of my uh, mentees over the years have been those, those leaders in my local community where you just go to lunch or, or have a phone call once a month and talk through some of the, some of the things that are so stressful in working with boards in particular. Um, and it all comes back to understanding, um, what we each bring to the table, trying to get as much out of your board as you can. You know, when a board member comes to you and they, and they have this idea, well, okay, it might be a good idea, but it also brings work. It, it always brings work. And so that's where uh, we as nonprofit employees or, or as consultants have to take a step back and go, okay, that's awesome. I, what a great idea. But now let's figure out what that means practically. Um, so rather than take it as a thou must do this, we need to take it as a great idea and we need to figure out how to resource it. 
And that often is going to be something we can do peer to peer um, from with uh, from ourselves to others in nonprofits, and then also to bring in other people to talk to board members. Uh, one of the exercises I like to do with board members um, uh, as a consultant, and and I often I don't want a hundred people calling me to do this, but I have often done this for free. Is is that um, when somebody says on a board we should be writing more grants? I'll go okay. Let's sit them down and let them help you find grants because most of them have never looked at an RFP. They have no idea what a, a solicitation looks like. If you said, here's the grant criteria, they don't understand that. They just think you write down a happy idea and you get a grant. So instead, let's put the board members around the table and let's hand them each 10 potential RFPs and give them 20 minutes to decide which five or six might be okay and help them, let them do that work that, because it's not hard. Anybody can do that uh, to help the executive director make a few decisions, call down a hundred RFPs into a possible four or five to do over the next six months. And that, that alone, that right there saves a week of work. For the, for the nonprofit executive director, but it also, and this is the more important thing, it also educates the board members on what the heck a grant is and all the paperwork that's involved. Uh, all they have to do is read through a couple of those and they realize, oh, this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> so, so, and I'm, it's I'm a really, lot of work for a little money a or <laughs> that, that education could be priceless. That and, and so Absolutely. beneficial for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because they only know what they know. Um, I can get angry at them and I have in my past and I'm a little more mature now. I just know they don't know. They just don't know. And, you know, it's, it's like when I take my car to the mechanic and he says, well, well, ma'am, we may need to look at your at your serpentine chain. OK, well, all I know about serpentine change is that they're usually made with gold. I don't know anything about a car's timing or serpentine. I don't know. So, you know, it's it's that way with grants as well. And and so it's part of our role, uh, whether it's by modeling or just conversation, helping nonprofit board members um, understand that it's not as easy as they may think. Yeah. And I, I think both parties leave leave better and as better yes. partners. And, and you could... You could make that a fun event. You should package mm -hmm. that up and yep. put a price tag on it. And <laughs> <laughs> there's usually pizza involved. You gotta have a laptop yes. and pizza. That's what you gotta have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and put the word party in the title and get all the there you go. board members excited about it. Exclusive. Yep. No. Oh, okay. I'm going too far <laughs> off down that. <laughs> Uh, so next question I have for you takes a little turn uh, in another area that you've been working with. I know you work with a team that researches and educates nonprofit professionals on the topic of burnout. As you've done that, what what has surprised you and and what advice would you give to others who are starting to feel signs of burnout for personally as well as those leaders who yeah, they're feeling it themselves as well, but they, they, you know, how should they think of it for their employees as well in these difficult times? 
man it's it is and it's been it's probably been one of the 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 biggest honors in my life to just be able to work with people and think about these issues deeply to to think about individual people to think about our profession to think about nonprofit employees in general um it it is really everywhere um and so we need to remember that burnout is not just this phrase it is an actual diagnosed um um, condition and illness that uh, the World Health Organization has recognized, um, and so it's not a it's not a made up thing. It's not something that that Jana thinks she feels. It is a real, true thing. And I guess my my surprise um, was that you know, like everything else in this this solo um, um, or I should say siloed profession is that I thought, you know, I was the only person in the world who ever felt this way. And until I got a label for it, I really felt I didn't even know how to begin to do something about it. So, but it, but I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's not just me and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a typical type A. Uh, although I, I like to think I'm now an A minus, I'm working on my type A. I'm, I'm coming down just a little bit. Uh, but but there are real things that I can do about it and that others can do about it. Um, you know, there are certain things we can't do. We can't, you know, make the, the boss smarter or help them understand directly. At least not at this point. We're working on ways to, to challenge that. But, um, you know, I, my, the first thing is don't blame yourself. It is not your fault. Um, it's not our fault. It is uh, a result of some unrealistic expectations that are pl placed on us by colleagues and bosses and uh, our, our partner groups that are out there to get more money and to do more stuff. And uh, again, because they don't understand sometimes how long it takes to, to actually do this work, um, it, they don't know what they're asking. You know, they, I, I believe, and I, I truly believe this, that, our bosses um, do not expect us to work 50 and 60 hours a week. I, I think that at the, I really don't think they expect that. They just don't understand that to complete the job they've given us takes 50, 60, 70 hours a week. See that we would never say, I need you to stay at your desk for 65 hours. No. So they keep piling on the work and there's no way to complete it. Again, it's that education piece so that there's this disconnect on how long it will take to get that job done. And that's a conversation that we can proactively have with our colleagues and our bosses. So, so if I were to give people a piece of advice, I would say, um, number one, you have the power to say no and you need to start doing that. And I don't mean to be snotty about it. I just mean, you know, no, I, you know, that's going to take me the rest of the month to get that particular proposal done. So I'm going to need to take something else off my plate. So Mr. Boss person, can you help me figure out what it is we need to assign to someone else? I am so happy to work on that, but that it, I can't handle those two, three, four things together. Okay, so, um, and so, so those are some of the barriers we can put around ourselves that are easier to do than than walking away from a job, for example, because that that's, you know, the next job you land may be just as bad. So you need to do what you can do while you're there and do some proactive things. One of the simplest things you can do is, is tar start taking your vacation seriously. 
um, and multiple vacations during a year. Put it on the grant calendar, plan around it, book your, your airfare in advance so that you're stuck. You can't move it. You cannot move it off that calendar. And one other simple, simple thing that I do, my husband has, has always laughed at me about it. Um, I, even though I work from home, I take my lunch away from my desk. I take up usually 45 minutes to an hour. I walk away. I might do a little laundry. I might do the dishes. I might sit down and watch a cooking show, but I'm going to walk away from the desk for 45 minutes to an hour, um, even though the desk is in my house. You know, it's a very simple thing. Um, another thing, uh, just stop answering email on Sunday. Don't even look at it. I've got a friend, uh, Trish, who actually puts up her, her email um, messaging that says, hey, I am uh, off this weekend. I'll be happy to answer you next week. And it's like, okay, all right. You know, so there are tons of things we can do to help people know we have some boundaries and that that we are going to work really, really hard to do that good work, but we're also going to be reasonable about it. We're not going to, we're not going to work 70 hours a week because there's so much to get done. Instead, let's have a thoughtful conversation about our priorities and what needs to be done, what must be done, and then go after that instead. That is, that is so insightful, all of that. And it's, you got to kind of, like you said, it's a, it's an us problem at the beginning and you got to decide, um, do you want to step into being that expert role of explain or, you know, becoming and growing yourself into this takes this amount of time. This takes that amount of time. And I I've seen that with the role that our software helps people, uh, understand the time it takes to do one, you know, all of that. And then I also see, uh, uh, or do you want to work for someone who really understands what you do day to day? And that may work better for someone. Then you got to find that environment. Yeah. Well, you so, know, it's, it's, it's terrible for us to expect our colleagues and bosses to know what we do when there are days when I'm not sure what I do. So how can how yeah. why, how should we expect <laughs> that they understand it completely when again we we figure it out day to day? So um, I don't know always what the boss does, um, and so it's my job to help him or her understand the challenges that I face as I'm helping that nonprofit or the government. You know, I'm uh, that's part of my role as being a professional is helping to educate. I love that. And learning yourself and how you work, that that metric you threw out of it takes 150 hours. It's it's so much experience built into that, so much not just you, but the type of variations that you run in that you can't expect or should allow for and all of that. Sometimes when my boss or someone else asks me, do you have time to add that to your plate? I want to make sure that, you know, we t I'm like, how do people know the answer to that very simple yeah, question? Right. You know? <laughs> well, and that's a, that's a great point, Tammy. We have to, you know, it, it, we have to start gauging our own, our yeah. own value through something that people understand. And time is one of those things I've been tracking um, since 2010. I've been tracking how much time it takes me to do pieces of work. And that has served me really well. 
I, so I, I mean, it really has helped me to sit down with folks and say, hey, okay, so if you're writing a foundation grant, it's going to take you three or four days if you know the client. If you don't know the client, it might take you longer. But if you're writing um, an, an NSF grant or a Department of Ed grant or a Department of Labor grant, you're looking at 100 to 200 hours, depending on the grant. And and that that's not a number that changes much for me, no matter how how much practice I have at it. It it just takes time to get all that done. So um, yeah, that's an important piece of information that each of us needs to be gathering about our own practice. Yeah, and and within organizations, that that triangle of time, quality, and resources, and there's gives and gets, but the it's it changes on the other sides as you change any one of them. Yeah. Well, as everyone could tell, you and I could talk forever. <laughs> and <laughs> I've had a hard time scoping it just to what we planned, um, but I can't believe the time has passed so quickly. We've covered some. There's great elements here for grant professionals and other professionals as well in the nonprofit space. And uh, I want our listeners to know that we'll put some links in the webinar. We've referred to a, a few topics that Jana has done full webinars with us before on burnout, as well as working with programs uh, teams and, and machetes and other dangerous things. <laughs> so we'll include those in, in the, the show notes as well as a link to Jana's contact information. And we'll include your website if that's going to be ready in the next week. <laughs> no, 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 just, <laughs> but do you have any, uh, Nuggets to leave our listeners. We have a, a community that is made up of both funders, nonprofits, and other professionals working together to make this whole philanthropy work better and uh, both on their sides as well as together. Do you have any nuggets to leave our listeners with? Uh, well, just remember that you're not the only one out there. You, you, there are so many of us. And yes, we often work or are the only one in our organization that does this specific type of work. Um, but you have to open yourself up, even if you're an introvert like me, you have to open yourself up to, to be mentored, to be a mentor, to ask questions, to be a little vulnerable, to join a local group, to join a, a Zoom group, to, to find other people who've already conquered some of these issues. Um, and everybody's done them in different ways, but you're not the only person who struggles with their work, who has maybe a little touch of burnout, um, and who needs to hear a friendly voice. We are all there. And uh, I don't know what I would have done. I, I certainly would not still be in, in this type of work um, for so long if it hadn't been for all the folks, and, and I count Tammy as one of those, um, who can, who help us along and who are a kind voice, um, and sometimes a sometimes a, a, um, a, a strict voice to say, hey, you, you need to pull yourself up and get something done. Um, we need that. We need to have others in our lives who understand the work and can help us along the path. So um, if you think you're by yourself, uh, it's only because you've decided to be by yourself. You need to, you need to think about that and, and find ways to reach out. Excellent. So very well said. Thank you. And 
to all of our listeners, I, I hope you feel and are as appreciative to John as I am for spending this time with us today. Uh, please share our podcast with others who you, who you may also uh, enjoy the topics and conversations that we have. We look forward to connecting again with Jana in our future webinars, events, podcasts, and, and uh, also Encompass, our community discussion platform. We'll put links to that as well as uh, Jana's information in our show notes. And until next time, we wish you all the best success. And again, thank you for all you do.